This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, it is a Wednesday. It is the president's birthday. It is flag day. It is many things today, but it's also a day that we are mindful of a tragedy that almost became a horrific tragedy in Virginia, in Alexandria, Virginia, this morning. Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. It is just past middle of the day here on the East Coast, and many of you on the West Coast are just uh, probably waking up an hour or two into your day and seeing the news out of the East Coast where a gunman opened fire on the group of Republicans who were practicing for a charity baseball game that's supposed to happen tomorrow. We are monitoring several things. We'll get you the president's statement on this. Thankfully, none of the victims have been killed. Congressman Steve Scalise, one of the top leadership of the GOP House group, had with him a detail of Capitol Police. And thank God for that small blessing because the Capitol Police were able to take out the gunman. I wish we had been able to keep him alive and find out more about this guy. But the Capitol Police prevented what could have been a horrific massacre of human life. To hear the accounts this morning, and we'll go through them, is just, it's chilling. We heard from, we heard from Rand Paul. We heard from several different congressmen who were there and several who left. Mo Brooks was talking about it. Uh, there's the one congressman who claims that he may have met the gunman in the parking lot as he was leaving early. And this guy asked, are those Republicans or Democrats? And they said, Republicans. And then the gunman, alleged gunman, started walking towards the field. The pictures of the YMCA across the street, the YMCA, it's a YMCA baseball field with the bullet holes in the swimming pool building. It's all very scary. And, and again, thank God, Congressman Scalise and the four others, two, two of which were the Capitol policemen who took bullets, the, those don't appear to be life-threatening. What we hear about Congressman Scalise today was that his, his condition was such that before he went into surgery, he was able to actually speak to his wife and make sure she knew he was going to be okay. It's, this is a horrific day on many levels. And yes, it's going to be politicized. And there's plenty of time for that, people. Plenty of time to politicize this. Uh, I will get you some of the clips, and you've already seen some of the postings online. If you want to be a part of the conversation today, I would love to hear from you. 888-933-93, So many stories are now starting to come out about the heroes. And yes, those, those Capitol Police who were on the detail with Steve Scalise are heroes. And there were people on the sidelines of the baseball game, people on either side of the field in foul territory who rushed out to help Steve Scalise. 
Scalise was hit in the hip and the descriptions of of the scream that came out of him when he was struck by the bullet in the hip and he dropped as he rounded second base. I think it was Rand Paul who talked about Scalise unable to walk, but crawling along the dirt infield, pulling himself along the ground as others were either trying to run away or lay down motionless as well. This really was something that nobody could ever prepare for. Nobody could have seen coming. So today, today America on the birthday of the president, on the the birthday of the United States Army, thank you U.S. Army, on the day we honor the flag, as this is flag day, and if you don't have a flag out today, what the hell are you doing? Come on now. And we need to talk about the vital question of the day. The vital question of the day, as I posted earlier today, relates to Flag Day and relates to the fact that on this day in 1954, President Eisenhower signed the law that was debated, hotly debated in, in Congress about whether or not we should put two words into the Pledge of Allegiance, those two words under God. They weren't there before 1954. We will go over the story of the, of the Pledge of Allegiance because it's a fascinating story, and I know how you guys like history on this show. We will go over that, and we will, we will get into that. But currently, the vital question of the day under God was added to the pledge today in 1954. Do you have a problem saying those two words in the Pledge of Allegiance? Now, currently, in just the early voting, currently 87% of you say, no, leave it alone. Leave the pledge alone. 8% say, yes, I have a problem with it. Take it out. 1% of you can't, <laughs> cannot decide. And um, then there are 4% of you that don't want any kind of pledge to any kind of nation. And I wonder what the heck you're doing. I, I, I really wonder. <laughs> Come on now. What are, what are you really here for? So take, take the pledge. Take the vote, the vital question. It's on, on my uh, Twitter page, at StuntBrain, at the very top. There are also some interesting moments that are being posted and things that make me actually feel better about the possibility of this country to come together. The House Democrats were practicing this morning as well. And they were on a nearby field. And when they heard, their captain, their captain was told about the shooting where the uh, Republicans were practicing, and he called everybody in off the field, and they gathered. And um, he said, look, there's been a shooting. They want us to shelter in place. So they got off the diamond and they gathered in the dugout. And the first thing they did, and there are photos of this, they prayed for their Republican colleagues and anyone else injured at that shooting. And I think this is the point. This is the point where we have to rally and say, okay, look, it is in tragedy we find the best among us. It is in moments like this that we find within each one of us, the best things, and we exploit the best. 
I, I was told as a young man that the the word the Greeks used for love really meant look for good. Look for the good. So in a moment like this, we really show love for each other, for our fellow man, by looking for the good inside everybody, especially in those we have been uh, in disagreement with. So I, I think the Democrats were a great example of that today. And anybody who used this opportunity to push forward an agenda, be it gun control, be it whatever you're thinking, you really need to be ashamed of yourselves. You, you really, really need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what the heck am I doing? The shooter's name, I'm going to tell you now because you're going to hear it all day. I don't want to give this guy too much press, but he's dead. James T. Hodgkinson. James T. Hodgkinson. Apparently lived in Belleville, Illinois. And if you, if you measure it out, if you Google map it, it's about 825 miles from where he was today. There are all kinds of statements coming out about this guy. There are all kinds of connections being drawn to people on the left. And all I will tell you is we probably don't know. We probably don't know who the heck this guy is. So we will, um, we will keep you abreast of any news we get. Uh, I'm going to step aside a little bit early because I want to play the president's entire statement on this. The president spoke for about four and a half minutes just before we went on the air. And I want to make sure we take the time to give that, that entire statement time to be played in case you missed it. It's got to be kind of, uh, kind of tough to wake up thinking you're going to celebrate your birthday and, and you have to change from a happy day into being the, the president. This is the tough work of a president. But again, we should be thankful that none of the lives were lost. None of the lives were lost except that of the guy who was out to take the lives of everybody else. So when we return, we'll hear from President Trump and uh, maybe a few others in Washington as we have some feelers out. But I know everybody in the House was called to the House floor this morning. They wanted to say a prayer, take the pledge, and then get on with their business. If there are remarks from uh, Paul Ryan and Nancy Pelosi, we will share those with you as well. This is Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We, uh, we promised you we're going to try and give you as much live coverage and full coverage of today's events out of Washington that we can. The shooting in Alexandria, Virginia, which has left only the shooter, only the bad guy dead right now. And, and Steve Scalise is in surgery Congressman Scalise from Louisiana, so uh, he looks like he's going to be okay, but it, you, you never know with surgery, so say a prayer. 
Earlier today, just before we came on the air, the president of the United States addressed the nation. I don't know if it was carried everywhere. Days like today, it's hard to keep up with all the news because so many so many different things are going on, different channels as the, the news machine scrambles to get a soundbite from someone who was there to get a leg up on somebody involved. So um, I, I happen to be watching and I thought, you know, it's a solemn day. We should run the whole thing. You should hear from your president. So if you missed it without any editing or stopping or commenting, here is President Donald Trump speaking to the nation just about an hour ago. As you all know, shortly after 7 a.m. this morning, a gunman opened fire on members of Congress and their staffs as they were practicing for tomorrow's annual charity baseball game. Authorities are continuing to investigate the crime, and the assailant has now died from his injuries. The FBI is leading the investigation and will continue to provide updates as new information becomes available. Congressman Steve Scalise, a member of House leadership, was shot and badly wounded and is now in stable condition at the hospital, along with two very courageous Capitol Police officers. At least two others were also wounded. Many lives would have been lost if not for the heroic actions of the two Capitol Police officers who took down the gunman despite sustaining gunshot wounds during a very, very brutal assault. Melania and I are grateful for their heroism and praying for the swift recovery of all victims. Congressman Scalise is a friend and a very good friend. He's a patriot and he's a fighter. He will recover from this assault. And Steve, I want you to know that you have the prayers not only of the entire city behind you, but of an entire nation and, frankly, the entire world. America is praying for you, and America is praying for all of the victims of this terrible shooting. I spoke with Steve's wife, Jennifer. And I pledge to her our full and absolute support, anything she needs. We're with her and with the entire Scalise family. I have also spoken with Chief Matthew Verderosa. He's doing a fantastic job of the Capitol Police to express our sympathies for his wounded officers and to express my admiration for their courage. Our brave Capitol Police perform a challenging job with incredible skill, and their sacrifice makes democracy possible. We also commend the brave first responders from Alexandria Police Fire and Rescue who rushed to the scene. Everyone on that field is a public servant. Our courageous police our congressional aides who work so 
tirelessly behind the scenes with enormous devotion and our dedicated members of Congress who represent our people. We may have our differences, but we do well in times like these to remember that everyone who serves in our nation's capital is here because, above all, they love our country. We can all agree that we are blessed to be Americans, that our children deserve to grow up in a nation of safety and peace, and that we are strongest when we are unified and when we work together for the common good. Please take a moment today to cherish those you love and always remember those who serve and keep us safe. God bless them all. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you. That was President Trump speaking to the nation just moments before we went on the air. And then shortly after that, the, the House gathered. Every member of the House that was able to get there rushed to, to be on the floor. And they opened the day at, at noon. When we get back from the break, I would like to get to some of the comments that we heard from, uh, from the Speaker of the House, from Nancy Pelosi, and the prayer that opened up the day. And of course, the Pledge of Allegiance. Important today because of today is the day that we added the words under God back in 1954. And I promised you we'll get to the history of the story of under God in the Pledge of Allegiance because it is an important. Well, the, the story of the entire Pledge of Allegiance is interesting. And if you don't know it, it was not around that long. The Pledge of Allegiance is not that old in terms of our nation. So we'll, we'll dig into that. But right now, the story is there was a shooting in our Alexandria, Virginia. It was uh, members of, of the uh, House baseball team who were practicing for a charity baseball game that's supposed to take place tomorrow night in Washington at the Washington Nationals Stadium. Uh, right now, they're not sure if that game is going to be played. I would hope that those men and women who do play in that game would, would stand up and say, you're not going to beat us. No incident like this is going to tear us apart. And that they will play this game that raises over a half million dollars for local charities. So it is a, it's a little bit of a different Wednesday here on Pure Opelka, but we have much to cover. And you know when we get back, it's Wellness Wednesday with Dr. Jorge. Come on back after the break. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Puro Pelka. Uh, trying to get Dr. Jorge on the phone. Uh, he just sent me a message, guys, in Dallas. Uh, I'm, I'll let you know if he's available. He just pinged me and said, are we still doing this? <laughs> we talked yesterday. <laughs> I'm going to have to give him a hard time. Uh, if, if you guys will give him a quick call, we'll go right to Dr. Jorge. And if, if he doesn't answer Dallas, please let me know because I will uh, then go to the situation, the latest update out of the house this morning. Uh, we are following everything that's going on today, not just the situation with the shooting and uh, the updates on Congressman Scalise and the four others who were shot. Uh, we're trying to keep an eye on many different fronts today. I'm, I'm really hoping we'll find out some news about, about Otto Warmbier, the American who finally made it home yesterday, late, late, late yesterday, the 23-year-old American who had been held in a Korean prison or prison work camp for the last 13, 14 months, and he's been in a coma for most of it. Uh, I'd like to know what the heck happened there. And uh, it, it had nothing to do with Dennis Rodman. I'll, I'll happily tell you that. But the story of this young man who was arrested for trying to steal a political banner and then sentenced to 15 years hard labor, he reportedly, and we've known about this for a while, he reportedly contracted botulism, usually a foodborne illness, while he was in, in custody. And then they gave him a sleeping pill, which... We here forced him into a coma or put him in a coma, and he in that coma since March of 2016. So an American citizen who was jailed in North Korea, been in a coma since March now, we hear, late March of 2016, he just arrived home. The pictures you see are deceiving because you see the shots of this guy, and he is... Um, he is walking or being walked by by South or North Korean guards, and it appears that he's okay. But that's the last video we saw of him uh, from a long time ago. So it's a, a very misleading thing. Uh, waiting to see if Dr. Jorge's on the horn. I know you guys in Dallas are trying to reach him. He wanted to talk about a couple of important things. If we need to move it, we can move it. Okay, so I'll tell you what we're going to do. Maybe we'll move him to the uh, next block. And I, I think it was particularly moving. President Trump being very presidential this morning, delivering the message about the shooting. And then that was followed by the complete gathering of virtually every congressman who was available in the House. And there was a, a prayer delivered before, before we started the day's business in the House of Representatives, uh, I thought uh, a wonderful moment. And uh, I'm just going to get out of the way and let it happen. U.S. Senate about to uh, gavel in, continue working on legislation expanding U.S. penalties against Iran. Live coverage. Gracious Father, our shield and defense, we look to you in these challenging times. Lord, the shooting at the Congressional Baseball Practice reminds us of the importance 
of numbering our days. May we refuse to boast about tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring. Lord, surround our lawmakers with the shields of your protection and favor. Fill them with your spirit, causing them to walk in your statutes and keep your judgments. Lord, you know better than we what lies ahead for our lives. So lead us like a gentle shepherd. We claim your promise in Hebrews 13:5 that you will never leave or forsake us. Guide and inspire us all to follow your plan for our lives. We pray in your merciful name. Amen. That was just afternoon today. I believe that is the Jesuit uh, priest who is the chaplain of the uh, the House of Representatives and leading leading the prayer before they open the session. Paul Ryan also uh, opened the session. I believe we invited everybody to stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance. If you feel like doing it yourself, uh, we can do that too. Dallas, do you have the Pledge of Allegiance? Just go ahead and tell me. Great, fire away. And reciting the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. A moment that uh, I think is important today because today is the day that we added under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. 1954, President Eisenhower signed the bill after Congress debated it. It was discussed back and forth. There's, there is still a discussion about under God and in God we trust. And uh, I, I have friends who are, I, I'm going to use the term, I know it's a bit of, um, a, bit of a contradiction, devout atheists. And they don't like the fact that in God we trust is on the money and under God is still in the Pledge of Allegiance. It wasn't always there, as you know. We'll go over that, uh, that change in our history a little bit later. I was vamping a little bit to see if we get Dr. Jorge in here, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be joining us right away for this segment. He had a couple of things he wanted to go over, and I had a couple of things that I wanted to go over. Some fascinating things this morning in the, um, in the opening of the House session when Paul Ryan stood up and Nancy Pelosi stood up. It showed us what we talked about earlier, that unity can be had, that we can get along, that we can be on the same page, that both sides can agree on something. And uh, I'll give you a little taste of what Paul Ryan said right here. My colleagues... There are so many memories from this day that we will want to forget. And there are so many images that we will not want to see again. But there is one image in particular that this house should keep. And that is a photo I saw this morning of our Democratic colleagues 
gathered in prayer this morning after hearing the news. You know, every day we come here to test and to challenge each other. We feel so deeply about the things that we fight for and the things that we believe in. At times, our emotions can clearly get the best of us. We're all imperfect. But we do not shed our humanity when we enter this chamber. For all the noise and all the fury, we are one family. Possibly the best Paul Ryan has ever been right there. Possibly something he should hang on to and, and try and recreate every single day. You can't, you can't sacrifice your humanity and say that you're defending your principles because humanity is one of those principles. Nancy Pelosi came out as well and spoke. To my colleagues, you're going to hear me say something you've never heard me say before. I identify myself with the remarks of the speaker. <laughs> They're beautiful remarks, Mr. Speaker. Thank you so much for the sentiments that they represent. Thank you so much. I think those sentiments were genuine. And Madam Pelosi, if you could always retain that line of thinking and understand, just as Paul Ryan does, that this is a family. She did kind of indicate that in a remark made seconds after that thank you. It was, it's a, it's a, again, it's in the family. It's an injury in the family uh, for the staff and for our colleague and for his leadership. As a so Pelosi actually said, I'm going to be asking how Steve every five minutes. Good. I hope you remember that. I hope Paul Ryan remembers this. I hope all the Democrats who gathered in prayer in the dugout at their practice remember this. This is the real answer. This is the unity we need, not the politicization of this or politicization. I can't even speak. I'm going to take a break. When we get back, we'll either have Dr. Jorge or uh, we'll do a little history on the Pledge of Allegiance. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are monitoring the news. There won't, I don't think there will be any real breaking news on the situation, the shooting in Alexandria, Virginia, very near D.C. The 66-year-old alleged shooter, I think it's pretty safe to say we know who did it, uh, dead. And uh, from 825 miles away, God knows why he drove, what, what made him do this. There are statements put out by Bernie Sanders, who this guy apparently volunteered for the Sanders campaign. And we'll talk about that after the top of the hour, because I have some thoughts about that. As people rush to say, see, see, see what the liberals are doing. They, yeah, let's not play that game, but we'll talk about it. I, I want to get into the history end of things because there is so much history today 
the birth of the United States Army. So it's so very important. The declaration that was in 1775, as we were just putting things together. And 1777, the Stars and Stripes adopted as the official flag of the United States, and we're we're up to 50 on our way to maybe 51. Who knows? And then um, in 1946, Donald John Trump was born. A few years later, eight years later, President Dwight David Eisenhower signed the law that put two words into the Pledge of Allegiance. Those two words, under God. And they weren't there in the beginning. Some of you have already weighed in on the the two words under God and the discussion, the ongoing discussion about whether or not it, it makes it difficult for you to, to actually say the pledge. The Duchess of Kofefe is weighing in on Twitter, saying if atheists believe in nothing, why do they care about, quote, under God, close quote, in the Pledge of Allegiance? Always wondered. I think a lot of us always wonder that, Duchess. But thanks for checking in. The... The Pledge of Allegiance was written by Francis Bellamy, the son of a Baptist minister from upstate New York, a guy that went to public schools. He was a speaker at University of Rochester before he followed in his father's footsteps to the pulpit, preaching at churches in the Northeast in New York and Boston. In uh, 1891, he stepped away from the ministry, accepted a job, uh, as from the principal owner and editor of something called Youth's Companion, a family magazine that had a half a million subscribers. Think about that in 1891, a magazine with a half million subscribers. It's a, that's a big deal. Uh, he was 37 at the time, and he was working in the promotions department, putting together a program of patriotic materials that was supposed to go to schools around the country to coincide with the opening ceremonies for the Columbian Exposition, which was happening in October of 1892, the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus' arrival here in the New World. Bellamy was one of the people who successfully lobbied Congress to um, help convince Benjamin Harrison, President Benjamin Harrison, to proclaim Columbus Day a holiday. Now, one of the things that they wanted to put into this program was a salute to the flag for school kids to recite in unison. The deadline was approaching to get the program done. And uh, Bellamy's boss said, yeah, you better write that. I, I, I don't have time and you have a knack for words. And it was on a hot August evening that Bellamy apparently got the idea to write, I pledge allegiance to my flag. And he wanted this to be a call to unity after the Civil War. The crisis was still in everybody's memory. It took him two hours. He wrote it, and this was the original. I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. He said the cadence would be better if he added to the republic. So I pledge allegiance to my flag and to the republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, that 
that happened in 1892. And I'll explain to you the interesting twist in the Pledge of Allegiance when we come back after the break. Michael Pelka on Puro Pelka. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Piero Pelka's second hour on a very busy news day. We, of course, are following the situation out of uh, Washington where the Alexandria, Virginia shooting took place early this morning at a baseball practice that the Republicans were having ahead of a charity game that's supposed to take place and will take place Thursday evening in D.C. at the National Stadium. It raises money. For the boys and girls clubs, like six hundred grand, they will raise. So good for them. And Steve Scalise is in surgery. I'm sure he'll be out soon. And we'll send our prayers to him and the other people. Five people shot in total. The jack wagon shooter is gone and deceased. And now we hear there's a another active shooter situation happening on on the west coast in san francisco near a a ups or at a ups operation so we're keeping an eye on that uh dr jorge is going to join us at the bottom of this hour wellness wednesday is delayed but not denied and uh so i'm looking forward to that we're going to try and keep the show as diverse as possible and not not get because really what can we do we can only tell you what's happening. Uh, we do have uh, John Street from TheBlaze.com who said he's going to head over to the scene where the shooting took place today to try and give us any kind of update on what's happening there. It's the YMCA baseball fields, and there's a, a YMCA pool just across the street that also had some windows shot out. A terrible situation. Before we went away, though, we were talking about this day in history. And I want to make sure we wrap up the story because it's it's very important. We were telling the story about the guy who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance. Because on this day in 1954, the pledge was changed and the words under God were added to the Pledge of Allegiance. And I have posted on my Twitter account at StuntBrain a poll today, a vital question poll that asks you about the words under God. Do you have a problem with them in the, in the Pledge of Allegiance? And right now, I would expect this audience doesn't have a problem with two words that say under God. But you never know. But the weird part, or just the, the curious part, the Pledge of Allegiance was written in order to do two things. It was written to coincide with the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus' arrival here in the New World. And it was also written to help get the country united behind one flag. Remember, we were still in the aftermath of the Civil War. The nation was reeling 
with all of the lost lives and and there were there were feelings that weren't just going to go away quickly because the civil war had ended officially but the story of of how Francis Bellamy a minister and the son of a baptist minister who ended up working on this youth companion magazine and working on a presentation for the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus' arrival in the, in the New World and the Columbian Exposition that was happening in 1892, his boss told him to go write the pledge that was going to be in the back of this, this special pamphlet. It was going to be handed out to school kids. And just because the boss thought Bellamy had, quote, a knack for words, he assigned it to him. And the original pledge, I mentioned it before we wrapped up the hour, the original pledge, pretty simple. I pledge allegiance to my flag to, and the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. He added the, uh, the word to and to the republic to make it flow a little better. And on the Columbus Day ceremony, marking Columbus Day because President Harrison issued the proclamation declaring this a holiday, there were millions of school children all over the country who took part in the ceremony. And Bellamy said he heard the pledge for the first time from someone else on that day, October 21st, when he was in Boston. And 4,000 high school boys stood and roared the Pledge of Allegiance together. Now, the pledge got into our schools and into our society. And, of course, it, it takes almost no time for somebody to say, well, you know, we got we to gotta fix that pledge. It's not perfect because everybody's got a twist on stuff. You... You know as a writer that the opinions are out there that everybody wants to mess with your work. You think you've got it just right. So it began in 1923, a national flag conference presided over by the American Legion and those wonderful daughters of the American uh, Revolution. They decided that the flag didn't need to be the fla my flag, but should be changed to the flag of the United States. Now, why would they do that? Well, at that point, there were a lot of people coming to this country, a lot of immigrants coming to this country. And the Daughters of the American Revolution and the American Legion folks thought, you know, there could be some confusion among immigrant children. They would be unclear as to which flag they were saluting. So they refined the pledge to say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. And then the following year, they added, of America. On the 50th anniversary of the Pledge of Allegiance, so go fast forward to 1942, Congress put the, the Pledge of Allegiance into the flag code. And I don't know if kids today are learning the flag code, we could not get through fourth grade in our civics class. Do they still teach civics? Uh, our civics class without knowing the flag code and the, the things you have to do with the flag, how you display it, how you properly take care of it, how you get rid of a flag that is worn out, etc. So in 1942, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Pledge of Allegiance, Congress 
put the the pledge into the flag code. And by then it's everywhere, you know, students reciting it each day at school. But then you got people who say, because of the First Amendment, we don't know if we feel good about this. Jehovah's Witnesses stood up and said, uh, look, uh, reciting a pledge violates our religious rights, our pro- prohibition against venerating a graven image, which I guess they considered the flag to be a graven image. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Jehovah's Witness in 1943. And they said that no school child should be compelled to recite the pledge. So since 1943, this just wasn't something from Madeleine Murray O'Hare in the 50s, 60s, or 70s. But after 1943, after the Supreme Court, our friends at the Knights of Columbus, a good Catholic fraternal organization, and some others went to Congress and said, hold on a second, we would like to put the phrase under God just before indivisible, okay? And uh, on June 14th, this day in 1954, President Dwight Eisenhower signed that bill into law. And they anticipated that the reference to God would end up in the courts and saying this is... uh, a violation of the First Amendment, and and they anticipated this in their wording of the bill, which says, quote, a distinction must be made between the existence of a religion as an institution and a belief in the sovereignty of God. Adding, the phrase under God recognizes only the guidance of God in our national affairs. Well, despite the fact that they anticipated it, that disclaimer being put in there didn't stop anybody. There were litigants from states all over the country citing that the new wording would be a a problem. And now we're still going through this. It goes back and forth and back and forth. And, And then it was into the 21st century with a case from a guy named Michael Newdow an atheist who claimed that his daughter, a a young girl, a minor, was being harmed by hearing the pledge at her public school in, pardon me, but you know what state, I'm about to point a finger and wag a finger, California. If she refused to say, under God, She was liable to be branded an outsider and therefore harmed by the school. And the appellate court agreed. The girl's mother, who had custody of the child, told the courts that she does not oppose her daughter reciting the pledge. So there was a little mess up at home. Interesting. Bellamy, the guy who wrote the original pledge, went on to become an advertising executive. And he used to write about the pledge. And um, I wonder where he would stand on it today. I wonder what he would think about the Pledge of Allegiance today. Uh, Maybe he would appreciate the take on the Pledge of Allegiance from a guy that I considered a great American, a guy I ran into on my very first visit to New York. The very first time I got to New York, I ran into... I ran into uh, Red Skelton, the great Red Skelton, outside of Radio City Music Hall. And I had to say something to him because I grew up 
watching Red Skelton show with our family together. And he was a, a clean comic. He was a brilliant man. And he was doing a live show at Radio City Music Hall. And I walked up and I just said, hello, I have to say thank you. Our family, and I'm 21 years old, our family watched you every week. And he went, well, thank you very much. Walk with me. So I walked with Red Skelton for two blocks. And no, there were no selfies because it was 1979. When we get back from the break, I want to play for you what Red Skelton told his audience about the Pledge of Allegiance, because he explained it beautifully. And I know it's not breaking news, but this is American history, and it's important, and it's pretty damn wonderful. And I'll share it with you next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Just around the corner, Dr. Jorge with a delayed Wellness Wednesday. We'll check in with him. He's got some things he wanted to share. And I also asked him a couple of questions. We'll get into those stories. But we've been talking about 1954 and the Pledge of Allegiance and what the Pledge of Allegiance means and and how it was written. Kind of fascinating to follow the history. And all of the back and forth over the pledge. Well, there used to be a guy on CBS named Red Skelton who had a variety show. He was a very interesting, funny entertainer. And in 1969, Red Skelton talked about the Pledge of Allegiance and about the American flag. And he shared his experience and also brought in a particularly important and heartfelt statement on those two words that were added in 1954, two words under God. And he takes it from the perspective of a teacher who made a big difference in his life. This one teacher, he was the principal of the Harrison School in Vincennes, Indiana. To me, this was the greatest teacher, a real sage of, of my time, anyhow. He had such wisdom. And we were all reciting the Pledge of Allegiance one day. And he walked over, this little old teacher, Mr. Laswell was his name. Mr. Laswell, he says, uh, <clears throat> he says, I've been listening to you boys and girls recite the Pledge of Allegiance all semester. And it seems as though it's becoming monotonous to you. If I may, may I recite it and try to explain to you the meaning of each word. I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all of my worldly goods to give without self-pity, allegiance, my love and my devotion to the flag, our standard, O glory, a symbol of freedom, wherever she waves, there's respect, because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job. United, that means that we have all come together. States, 
individual communities that have united into 48 great states. 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose. All divided with imaginary boundaries, yet united to a common purpose. And that's love for country. And to the Republic, Republic, a state in which sovereign power is invested in representatives chosen by the people to govern. And government is the people. And it's from the people to the leaders, not from the leaders to the people, for which it stands. One nation, one nation, meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided with liberty which is freedom the right of power to live one's own life without threats fear or some sort of retaliation and justice the principle or qualities of dealing fairly with others for all for all which means boys and girls it's as much your country as it is mine. And now, boys and girls, let me hear you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Since I was a small boy, two states have been added to our country and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance under God. Wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer and that would be eliminated from schools too? Any questions? Boy, oh boy, can you imagine a network television show stopping to do that today? Can you even conceive? And yet it's not that long ago. It was 1969 that Red Skelton delivered that. I just, I think some network executives would lose their minds. But I'm glad it exists. I'll tweet out a link to that because I think a lot of you are going to want to see that for yourselves. It's too long ago. No one's doing it in the schools. And I think the explanation of the Pledge of Allegiance is something I wish teachers would do because kids need to understand it. Uh, we, as a, as a child, I don't think we fully understood it, but it's a great story. So for, for uh, Minister Bellamy, who gave us the original pledge, and for Congress in 1954, for all of its wisdom to put those two words under God in there, they apparently were sending a message to the Soviets and the communists of the world that, that this, this nation and the idea of freedom and the freedom to worship were going to be upheld. It, it's just an amazing story to me. When we get back, we'll, we'll have updates that active shooter situation out in San Francisco at the UPS facility. If there's any news out of the Alexandria shooting today, 
I hope there is no more violence today. And we'll check in with our friend, Dr. Jorge Rodriguez on Wellness Wednesday, something we try to give you each week here on Pure Opelka. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Puro Pelka. We have a uh, boy, oh boy, I can't remember a day when there's been this much going on, and we're trying to make sure we get everything else we like to deliver to you, including the history, including the health, and all that stuff. Before I get to Dr. Jorge, who is waiting on the line here, I did want to say uh, thank you to Texas Yankee who said uh, that that clip reminds him of uh, so many great things about Red Skelton, that clip about the, the Pledge of Allegiance, and I posted it on my Twitter account. And thank you to Matt G. Matt G., who said, I hate to be that guy, but we don't get rid of a flag, we retire it. Matt, you are 100% correct. A flag that is worn out is retired and there are ways to do that. It's in the flag code. Go back to your civics book. Uh, not, that, not that there isn't important breaking news, but none of it is that urgent that I would derail the segment that I think we all need every single week. And we all need to be mindful of our health uh, daily. And that's with our friend Dr. Jorge Rodriguez. DrJorge.com is where you find him. Uh, doling out common sense in a way that we all can understand. Hello, my friend. Hey, Mike, how are you? And yeah, what a hell of a day, huh? Um, so if you ever have to skip me because other things are more pressing, I, I totally get it, you know? So, well, you know, it, it seems, th- thank you. It seems like we've got situations under control. The, the situation in San Francisco is still a bit muddy. We don't know exactly what's going on at that UPS right. center, but we'll be, we'll be on it after this. Uh, I can't think of anything that's more important, though, as well, individually, to each one of us, as our health. And uh, you know me, I'm getting more and more obsessed with America's drug problem, America's opioid addiction, and, and the problems we're having because all of the other problems it causes. And Senator Chris Coons and I have discussions on this almost weekly to try and see what individual states can do and what and the federal government can do to help with the opioid addiction. But I, I saw a story I wanted to ask you about. They're working on a heroin vaccine? Yeah, they are. And um, see, the, the, the issue is that the body recognizes organisms that come into our body as foreign because they're a lot larger. So it, it makes antibodies to try to fight those. Uh, and nobody knows of a if a heroin vaccine, it's, it's probably going to be for people that already have an addiction and you give them the vaccine afterwards so that they stop getting um, addicted. The problem is that the opioid 
actually turns into morphine in the blood and then goes into the blood, into the brain. It releases all these things called dopamines that make people feel great. Actually, a chocolate cake does something very similarly. Um, but the molecule, all right, the chemical that is actually the opioid is so small that the body can't recognize it as something foreign. So they've created uh, the sort of protein that binds to the, to the opioid molecule, and they're testing it now. You know, they inject it into people. Your body makes antibodies against it so that when you re-inject, all right, um, it can't get into your brain and you don't get that high. And I know that we, you know, first of all, nobody knows if this is going to work. Um, there may be a lot of, you know, sort of moral issues with this. People are like, oh, you know, are we really solving the problem? Um, are we facilitating people from doing this? The thought is that if somebody isn't going to get high and they already have that addictive component, all right, they are not going to continue using. And this is a big not only social problem, that it destroys families. It is also, if you want to look at it that way, a big medical and financial problem. A lot of resources that could, in my opinion, be better spent on getting people to get healthy and stay healthy are being used for this huge problem. So it, it may be one more prong um, in, you know, in able to fight this, this epidemic, which is killing really now um, probably hundreds of thousands, you know, over a couple of, of years and, and, and addicting hundreds of thousands of people. So it's a possibility. Yeah, they're working on a vaccine to try to prevent people from becoming uh, addicted to, to opioids. Well, I wonder if they could create the same kind of situation that we had when we talked about those ticks a few weeks ago, the tick that when it when it hits your the system, it it makes you yeah, the Texas or Lone Star tick, whatever it was that that right, makes right, your yeah. body get sick when it comes in contact with meat and i i wonder well, if it no, would that's a, a weird thought right no it's not a weird thought people have thought about um you know you can use it for a diet you know get the donut vaccine or you know the the pizza vaccine um people and companies obviously are are, are trying to find many ways of getting the body not to respond the brain not to respond uh, to different foods, and there are different medications that sometimes are used for people to try to lose weight. Because at the end of the day, like I said, certain foods, primarily the carbohydrates, the starches, they do elicit in our brain the release of these these chemicals called dopamine. And you know, um, and this is sort of will be a segue to to my other thing, um, which I'm doing starting next week, is the fact that so much of obesity and overweightness in this country can be, you know, it's, it's very similar to being addicted. Um, I'm someone that's been overweight on and off all my life, and there's some days that I'm doing just fine, and then after a certain period of time, I'm bored, something happens, the binging, the craving, you know, for a carbohydrate is very similar um, to, to the craving for, for other addictive products. So they are trying to create different pills, different chemicals that maybe slow this down. So, um, yeah, it's not it's not such a far fetched thought, Mike, not such a far fetched thought. Well, and, and speaking about uh, this, uh, this segment, you're going to start doing on obesity starting next week. I think it's a yeah. week from today, mm -hmm. right? A week from today, the first day of more or less the first day of summer, if people want to go to um, this platform it's basically a website called collide c-o-l-l-i-d-e 
com, and you're going to see that they have many different um, many different categories. There's entertainment, there's sports, and then there's health. And if you go to health, you know you'll see you'll see me there, and you can tag onto it. I am going to be doing a live feed every week, starting at 5:30 Pacific, 8:30 Eastern, where I'm going to be. We're trying to form a community where people join in. They can they can email me at the same time. And we are all going to go on a new health regimen, including myself. The first damn thing I'm going to do is weigh myself, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to follow it along for three months along with everybody that does it. I need to walk the walk, you know, not just talk the talk. And it's going to be not your basic diet because it is going to be more about learning how to relate differently, all right, to the food that, that's around us. So I think it's much more realistic. Listen, anybody can lose weight. This is not about losing weight. This is about maintaining a healthy weight for the rest of your life and getting healthier. All right? 25% of all of the, the costs in this country are, are due to health care in, in the last quarter of life. So it's an important thing. And that's what makes people bankrupt. When they get sick at an elderly age, <clears throat> you know, and can't afford it. So staying healthy and getting healthy is paramount, in my opinion. Well, I'm I'm with you on that because, you know, we all, we all fight that one struggle to say not all of us. Some people are genetically yeah. predisposed to be skinny and we can all hate them together. Right. But uh, we can do simple things uh, to try and get rid of that 10 or that 15 that would do better things for you as well. Uh, I remember talking to John Madden, the, the football guy, the announcer the you know, he was coach right. John Madden when I grew up. And at one point. He went on a a two-year lifestyle change that ended up, he lost 60 pounds. And I said, what was it like? He said, you know, you ever go through the airport and you're carrying four suitcases? He said, I got to put down the four suitcases and get on with my life. And I thought, wow. Yeah, that's beautiful because that's exactly the way you need to think about it. All right, I'm walking around with probably two 20-pound sacks of potatoes strapped around my neck. All right. And can you imagine being lighter? What what else can be done? What you can accomplish to walking up the stairs, to being more physical, to just feeling better. And, and that's a great analogy. I love that. I'm going to steal that. Well, it's 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 yours now. If you steal from me, you're stealing twice. That's all I'm telling you. Yeah. So. I love it. It's OK. And again, it isn't about deprivation. It, it, it doesn't it can't be something that you go on a diet that you go on because you will eventually fall off. All right. It has to be relating differently and it has to be a commitment to yourself. You got to yeah, commit to yourself. It's it's changing a lifestyle, altering it a little bit. And you and I have always talked yeah. about portion control and we'll get into that. It's collude or collide dot com. Collude. I've been thinking about collide. the hearings too much. <laughs> collide dot com. Yeah, you can go. You can go on it right now. And I think it's like a buck, a, a buck every time you sign up or something. And we're, I'm going to have menus. I'm going to have articles. Uh, I'll be on every week. Uh, people can, you know, text me privately. So uh, let's see if it works. I, I'm really excited about it. So I'm really well, excited about it. I appreciate all of your common sense information. His name is Dr. Jorge Rodriguez. Uh, go to drjorge.com. And if you're one of those people who said, okay, I don't have time to go to a website, Dr. Jorge's books speak to you like he's talking to you. So the diabetes solution is one. It's got recipes. It's got good information. This is just about your health. It's not about 
anybody going into some giant community, ultimately it comes down to your individual health and your personal Absolutely. responsibility to it. So uh, I'll salute you, and I can't wait next week to kick it off because you know Thursday morning, the 22nd, I'm going to be critiquing it right here on the show. Okay, come on. All right. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. You know I'm kidding, You're sort welcome. of. Of course, yeah. no, no. I, I, I appreciate all opinions, even yours. Oh, oh, ouch. He's been hit. Man down. Yes. Thank you, all Dr. Right. Jorge. We'll talk again next Have week. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Mike. Uh, it's a, see, it is about health at the end of the day. And your life will be better if you can be a little healthier and you just have to take tiny steps like the one we're going to take now to go to commercials. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. We are taking a look at uh, everything, trying to keep up on anything as we're learning more about the shooter. But before we get back to that, I need to remind you, when we talk about health, when we talk about living a better life, when we talk about getting rid of pain, I'm going to talk about Relief Factor because of what it's done for me. Relief Factor, the all-natural anti-inflammatory that I started taking just over 14 weeks ago. And eight days into it, I stopped taking any painkillers, no over-the-counter stuff. And I was taking it eight a day of those little green gel caps that are meant to take away the pain. I didn't need them because I started using Relief Factor. It's, as I said, all-natural. Don't take my word for it. Take the testimonial of Todd Bennett. So I got a job with a cable company, and in December 2005, I fell from a Highline pole. And morphine, Oxycontin, and all that stuff, I was in bed for the last probably eight years of my life. Got the relief factor two weeks later. I got up out of bed, I could go like this. I stood up, and it was just, wow. I mean, it, the pain wasn't all the way, all the way gone. It's enough to where I could get out of bed in the morning. I look forward to getting up out of bed. Uh, I do yard work now, back in the wood shop, woodworking, and just actually living my life. I'm not, not dull no more, you know? <laughs> that's, that's the same experience I had. I, I'm using, now, well, I didn't fall from a pole or anything, but I'm, I use Relief Factor. I take it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Get the three-week quick start pack. Go to relieffactor.com. It's so simple. Or give them a call right now. Get the number right here. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. Relief Factor. Stop waiting. Go ahead. All right. Uh, next hour, we have a couple of things going on. Uh, Blaze.com's John Street is going to be heading out to the actual site of the shooting in Alexandria. I want to get his... His take on what's going on out there will update you on what the FBI has been investigating. This is one of the strange things about it. The minute the name came up, people ran to Facebook and started looking for this guy. 
and I'm not going to I'm not going to kid you. I went there, too, but I went to see if I could learn something about him. There are people who just poured into social media to write on this guy's page, either supporting, if you can believe it, or damning him to hell, which pretty much we probably believe that's the road he's headed on today. So uh, Facebook, it, it only took them two hours to shut down the guy's social media pages or, or delete them. And I would think that would be the first thing that the authorities would do. So just around the corner, we'll give you an update on that. We'll see if we can find out anything new about the San Francisco situation and uh, what else is happening in the world. Is Congress getting anything done? Is there any news on that horrible fire in London that killed at least 12 people? I, I still can't believe that we woke up and saw those frightening pictures. And now suddenly that story is pushed to the back page. And of course, there's some dumb news that we have to get to, too, right? Because it wouldn't be a Wednesday without some stupid news. We'll take care of that probably the middle of the next hour. Michael Pelka on Puro Pelka. Come on back after the news, will you? Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh boy. What a what a day this Wednesday has become, and there's still more to go. And uh, the Blaze Radio Network will be covering every angle we can on what's going on in the situation with the, the active shooter situation out west and the, the follow-up of the shooter in the Alexandria, Virginia case where we still, fortunately, have no, no one deceased except the shooter. And, you know, you have to, you have to, please, say prayers for Steve Scalise and the four other people who were wounded. I don't mean to diminish them, but I don't know them. One, one is a, a lobbyist for Tyson Chicken, and the company said they're very concerned about him. I would hope they'd be concerned about him. But you have to feel for Bernie Sanders today. And, and this is, this is, Part of that game we play, when someone does something horrible and the media then descends on that person's life and tries to pull out tiny snippets of that person's life and then attach someone else to it. You know, maybe that guy had a maybe that guy had an NRA bumper sticker. Well, now they're going through all of James Hodgkinson's facebook postings trump is a traitor trump is guilty and should go to prison for treason all these things he's posted and uh, no i don't want the government combing through everybody's social media posts but now we're all going to ask that question but it also turns out that he was a bernie sanders supporter in fact a bernie sanders volunteer senator sanders had to stand up and make a statement today about it. Madam President, I have just been informed 
that the alleged shooter at the Republican baseball practice this morning is someone who apparently volunteered on my presidential campaign. I am sickened by this despicable act, and let me be as clear as I can be. Violence of any kind is unacceptable in our society, and I condemn this action in the strongest possible terms. Real change can only come about through nonviolent action, and anything else runs counter to our most deeply held American values. I know I speak for the entire country in saying that my hopes and prayers are that Representative Scalise, congressional staff, and the Capitol Police officers who were wounded make a quick and full recovery. I also want to thank the Capitol Police for their heroic actions to prevent further harm. Thank you, Madam President. And, and this is another example of how, at least I, I hope we're not running out and playing the whataboutery game here, but Sanders had to get up and make that statement because this guy, this nut, this jackwagon, not somebody that Bernie Sanders hired, not somebody that Bernie Sanders decided to make part of his campaign, but it was the other way around. And it used to bother me a lot when people would talk about Donald Trump's rallies and some of the behaviors that they witnessed there. That's, that's not going to get us anywhere by trying to attach the bad behavior of strangers to the person. That's like trying to blame a movie director for somebody who did something stupid inside a theater where a movie was being screened. It's just stupid, and we have to stop it. So I, I feel for you today, Senator Sanders. The other, the other moment that happened is, is now these, these moments are coming forth as, as we're seeing the members of Congress who are getting into the office and getting out of their softball clothes and getting changed and talking about what happened on the field. And especially chilling was uh, Representative Ron DeSantis who believed, and they weren't sure of this before, but it sure looks like it's the truth now, that he actually interacted with the gunman minutes before the shooting. Third base, Jeff Duncan from South Carolina short, Steve Scalise, who obviously got shot at second base, was at second taking ground balls. Jeff and I looked at each other and said, hey, we've taken a lot of ground balls, we've hit, let's beat the traffic back to the hill. So we left practice a little early, got in uh, Jeff's, one of his aides' uh, cars, I was in the back seat, a gentleman walked up to us and wanted to know whether there were Republicans or Democrats practicing out there. Congressman Duncan said that it was Republicans, and then he immediately turned around and went towards the field. It was a little weird because, you know, no one's really out there at that time, but we just kind of drove back. Once we got to the Hill, we got word that there was a shooting. Immediately, Jeff and I looked at each other and we said, we've got to report this individual. So we reported him, you know, the best description we could get since he's been identified, uh, the picture on the individual's Twitter page uh, matches the individual who approached our vehicle probably about 10 minutes before the shooting started. And you have- That's amazing. And, and luckily for him, this guy wasn't carrying a pistol and asked them because God knows might have taken shots at, at, at these guys as they were leaving early. Wow. 
Jeff Flake, Senator Jeff Flake talked about Steve Scalise and how he was treated. The initial report was somebody used a, uh, a belt from their pants to basically create a tourniquet because when you're shot in the leg, in the, in the hip area, if you sever that, that artery, the femoral artery right there in the femur, you can bleed out in a matter of minutes. It's, it's not a good thing at all. This was Jeff Flake explained how they treated Steve Scalise on, right there on the baseball field. It was clear. We kept looking and feeling down the leg or looking for other blood. We tried to see an exit wound. Uh, another member ran out, uh, Brad uh, Winfrey, I believe, from uh, Ohio, who was a surgeon. And, uh, and he, we were looking to see if there was any other injury. We couldn't see it, uh, but we were having a hard time uh, moving. Somebody took off their shirt, and we put it on the wound, and that kept it pretty well. But then we removed that and tried to put some gauze on, and that wouldn't, uh, wouldn't stop it. And so we ended up having to put the shirt back on and get a belt or something to to cinch it uh, to try to keep the bleeding and, and, down. And Whip Scalise was speaking this entire he was. time? He was. And uh, he, we, we was wanted he to make sure he, he You said he asked for water. What else did he say? Yeah, he was just trying to, to, to ask, I think, about uh, others or where the gunman was. Uh, but we were just glad he was talking and that he wasn't uh, passing out. That's a, such a scary situation. I've, I've never been attending to someone on the baseball field who's been shot. You know, we always had twisted ankles or something. Just a, an amazing story today. And Steve Scalise had surgery, is allegedly, reportedly resting, and hopefully will recover. We'll wait to hear if we get any more news from, uh, from the rest of it. Also trending on, online in the news world is the, the moment or the tragic moments in San Francisco where they had this, this UPS shooting. A gunman opened fire inside the San Francisco UPS facility. At least two have been declared to be dead. And police have the situation contained and the gunman has apparently been taken down. So that situation uh, near the corner of 17th and Vermont, if you know the area. San Francisco expecting obvious street closures today. At least two people injured, ambulances, police. So we have, we have shooter situations on both sides of the country today. And um, it's, um, it's interesting to me, and it's, I guess it's, it's kind of hopeful to me to see the reaction out of both sides of the aisle in the House today. To see the to see the House get together, to see Nancy Pelosi and Paul Ryan extend their their hands across the aisle, not just to each other, but to each each member of the opposition to say thank you. Uh, Paul Ryan did a beautiful job this morning, I thought, when he brought brought the House together and talked about the reaction from the Democrats who were practicing nearby, not in the same place, but the, the Democrats were practicing very close to where the Republicans were. And at that moment, when the news came in, uh, Paul Ryan gathered everybody in the House right after noon and talked about unity. And... We are united. We are united in our shock 
We are united in our anguish. An attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. I know you may have heard that earlier, but I think it's important to play. I think it's important for, for us to see leadership in the House. Ryan also expressed his gratitude to the first responders, the U.S. Capitol Police, who were there because Steve Scalise is in a leadership role and they're supposed to be there. And thank God they were. I know we want to give our thanks to the first responders and to the Alexandria Police Department who were on the scene in minutes. And I know this House wants to state unequivocally that we are, as ever, awed by the tremendous bravery of the Capitol Police. <laughs> yeah, these are people who run towards a, a situation instead of running away from it. And it, the message today has to be about maybe this government now can come together. Maybe we now can say that we are, we are capable of, of reaching across our divide and getting together. My colleagues, there are so many memories from this day that we will want to forget. And there are so many images that we will not want to see again. But there is one image in particular that this House should keep. And that is a photo I saw this morning of our Democratic colleagues gathered in prayer this morning after hearing the news. You know, every day we come here to test and to challenge each other. We feel so deeply about the things that we fight for and the things that we believe in. At times, our emotions can clearly get the best of us. We're all imperfect. But we do not shed our humanity when we enter this chamber. For all the noise and all the fury, we are one family. I can't say it any better than that. We'll be right back on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. With Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. The politicizing of today's attack on the GOP congressmen and their entourage who were practicing for the baseball game tomorrow. By the way, the baseball game will go on, but the politicizing it has already begun, and I really think this is incorrect. Uh, I expect a certain amount of it from people on social media. Because there's going to be a whole lot of, see, we told you so, see. But we need to stop that. It's not going to help. 
The ones who I really believe need to know better are the elected officials. And apparently MSNBC's already had people jumping on this. But Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe could not resist the opportunity to try and politicize it and make it about guns and the Second Amendment. But uh, it also has a little bit of schadenfreude involved in this. A little bit of, oh, really, Governor? Did you really want to say that, Governor? And the press actually corrected him. General, do you think anything more needs to do to protect politicians? Well, let me say this. I think we need to do more to protect all of our citizens. I have long advocated uh, this is not what today is about, but there are too many guns on the street. We lose 93 million Americans a day. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It didn't take that long. This was really less than two hours after the shooting and Terry McAuliffe's out in front of the cameras saying there are too many guns on the street. And then to say that there are 93 million Americans lost every day. I know he meant 93 Americans, but for some reason he said 93 million and he didn't say it just once. He said it twice. Seriously, pay attention. Today is about, but there are too many guns on the street. We lose 93 million Americans a day to gun violence. I mean, I've long talked about this. Background checks, shutting down gun show loopholes. Yeah, that's not for today's discussion, but it's not just about politicians. Governor, can you we worry about this every day for all of our citizens. He said 93 million Americans a, a, a day we lose. And one of the reporters goes, did you really mean to say that? Did you really mean to say 93 million? Uh, yeah, I meant 93. So the guy who says this is not for a discussion today, but let me bring it up. Terry McAuliffe, the guy who's again throwing out the lack of background checks. I'm sorry, Governor. Every time I purchase a firearm legally in the country, I get a background check every damn time. So don't go throwing this out there. That really is awful. Really is awful. Oh, boy. I, I, have, a, I have a bunch of um, silly news that we need to get to, and I know at the bottom of the hour I, I promised you we would hear from John Street, who is going out to the site to give us an update on what's happening out there. Um, we'll get him at the bottom of the hour. I have, uh, I have so many different stories here that I had stacked up and ready to go today. I didn't even get to the fact that today is National Bourbon Day and National Strawberry Shortcake Day. And I'm not a bourbon guy. I am a strawberry shortcake guy. And so, yes, I can, uh, I can deal with strawberry shortcake. And I'm hearing from Dallas in my ear that any, any of the bourbon that we want to send down to Shemot, he'll be happy to make sure he honors National Bourbon Day in the appropriate fashion. I, <laughs> I don't know if I can endorse that, Mr. Lynch, but... Um, Something about a shot right now just was heard. I, I don't. Well, you know what? 
Uh, we've got about just about a half hour left on the show. So, you know, I'm sure you can keep it on the rails for another 30 minutes. And I also understand there's pizza in the Dallas studios. So what the heck? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be missing the pizza and the bourbon today. And this is what happens when you work out of Delaware. So when we get back, we're going to go to the scene. We're going to tell you what's, uh, what's happening on the scene. We're also going to uh, update uh, any other craziness that's going on. Um, apparently, this is just popping in. Uh, I got this from Dana Lash. One GOP rep received a threatening email with the subject line reading, one down, 216 to go. That happened after the lawmaker shooting. After Steve Scalise was hit, somebody sent an email to another member of Congress saying, one down, 216 to go. This is a little bit disturbing. Representative Claudia Tenney, a Republican from New York, received this email. And someone saying, did you not expect this in the body of the of the email? Did you not expect this when you take away ordinary people's very lives in order to pay off the wealthiest among us? Your own lives are forfeit. We need to pray for this country right now. We need to all stop and say a little prayer for America. God help us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back. It is uh, it's a fast-moving day. Just before the break, I told you about uh, something I received from Dana Lash talking about a New York congresswoman who started getting uh, threats this morning after the shooting. And I just called the congresswoman's office. She represents a section of New York where I have friends living. Uh, we may get the congresswoman on the phone here. So heads up, pay attention. Uh, you guys in Dallas, I know, are paying. You're always paying attention. Yes, I know. Don't get offended. I'm just saying we will break in and take this call because this is a woman who not only not only serves this country in Congress, but she has a child in the military as well. So we'll have to deal with that. Uh, before we go any further, one of our colleagues is actually... On the scene as we speak, John Street from TheBlaze.com, who's been on the show before, joins us from Alexandria, Virginia. John Street, welcome back to Pure Opelka, my friend. Hi, Mike. Good to be with you. I can barely hear John. Can we pump him up a little bit? He's all the way up. John, are you with me? 
No, he's I, I'm not hearing him, guys. So uh, I I heard uh, Dr. Jorge fine. Don, you might. That's perfect. Whatever headset you okay. were using, I guess, wasn't working. So I appreciate you fixing it. You're you're on the scene in Alexandria. I am coming up on the scene as we speak. Um, I live in D.C., so it's uh, a little bit out of the city. Um, so I'm I see I do see some police lights up ahead at an intersection. Um, but right now I'm looking at soccer fields. Um, I see a baseball field. Um, not certain if that's the one that House Majority Whip, um, the House Majority Whip was shot on this morning. Um, but I do, it looks like the park is blocked off. So I don't think I'm going to get very far in there at this point. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of crime scene tape around the area as they are, they're blocking off not only the baseball diamond, uh, there are basketball courts nearby. And the, the YMCA building, which I believe these fields were part of the complex, was also part of it. So uh, we might yeah, see something from... Go ahead. Yeah, the YMCA building is actually right on the edge of the park. So the park has several soccer fields, baseball fields, um, or one baseball field, I suppose. And then um, the YMCA building is on the edge of the park. Hmm. And John, have we gotten any additional update on condition of not only uh, Whip Scalise, but any of the other victims, the the four others who were shot? Uh, so the, the House Majority Leader is listed in stable condition at, Georgia, uh, Georgia, or at uh, MedStar Hospital uh, in Washington, D.C. And then there was a, an aide who also suffered a non-life-threatening injury, an aide to a, a Texas congressman. And then there was also another... Um, congressional aide who suffered, um, they said, the most critical injury of, of any of them. And two Capitol Police officers um, also suffered injuries. One of them actually was ignored his own injury for a while to crawl over to um, Rep. Or Congressman Steve Scalise on the baseball field to help him and help him to, um, you know, cover his wound. Uh, so it's some very heroic action there by the Capitol Police officer who did that. I did not hear that story. I heard uh, that's that's amazing, and I'm glad you shared that. So one of these Capitol, Capitol Police officers who was on his detail uh, was not only taking fire and uh, uh, not even thinking of his own wounds, but got out there mm -hmm. on the field because uh, Steve Scalise had been shot in the hip, and from what I heard, it was bleeding pretty badly. Uh, the, the weird thing is um, Scalise couldn't walk. He couldn't get up. And it's it's the, the image that Rand Paul painted of Steve Scalise crawling, trying to use his arms to pull himself along the dirt infield. It's just so frightening. You, you can't even imagine that going on. Uh, how many people are out there at the moment? Um, I'm actually still walking along the park just to see exactly where um, where it is and how close I can get. Right now, it looks like um, pretty normal, um, other than just the there were two police cars um, sitting back a little ways um, with lights flashing and the, um, the, the driveway blocked off. Um, but that's really all, all that I'm seeing that's out of the ordinary.
Okay, so uh, traffic just... is flowing along the the um, one of the main thoroughfares that um, goes from uh, Northern Virginia into Washington D.C. Uh, traffic's flowing as usual. So pr- pretty much now that we're about five six hours away from the incident, at least uh, the the local neighborhood is trying to get back to normal, but the the baseball diamond and the the activity fields around it are probably crime scenes through at least the rest of the day. Uh, and I'm sure they're canvassing to see if they can find any other clues. You're going to be on with Dana tonight. Is that what I'm hearing? I will be 650 Eastern time on uh, Dana on the blaze TV. Very good. Very good. So uh, we, we will, we will pay attention for that after Glenn Beck's program, my colleague, John street on the scene from the actual uh, site of this horrific shooting that God, God bless the Capitol Police prevented it from being a massacre. And the only guy who's dead, they just did list, by the way. I saw a scrolling report that said from that, that hospital that Scalise is in critical condition, but uh, the, the other person that they worked on there is uh, much better off. So he's not out of the woods yet. So we need to keep saying prayers for Steve Scalise and everybody involved in this horrible tragedy. Thank you, John Street. Appreciate you for hustling out there and getting us to the scene this afternoon. No problem. Thanks, Mike. Wow. This uh, this thing keeps getting uh, different twists and turns in it. And uh, we're trying to figure out everything we can and and keep you guys posted as well. So uh, today, Flag Day, we have a shooting in Virginia. We have... A president's birthday, which is certainly going to be, uh, I'm sure, one that President Trump will not not soon forget. Uh, I'm going to probably break away a little bit early here. Um, before we go, let me remind you, because we're waiting on a, a congressperson who got, oh, we have her. Thank I just got word from, uh, from Dallas. Uh, thank you so much. Joining us now. Uh, Congressperson, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, who represents a, a district in New York State where I have lots of friends in Binghamton and in the Utica area, uh, Congressman Tenney. So I, I appreciate uh, what you're doing and I appreciate you being on the phone with us. How are you? Thank you, Mike. Uh, so uh, I, I'm born and raised in, uh, in Utica area, I live across the street from the house I grew up in. So uh Long-time New York, lifelong native. Wow, that's what a great district you've you've got uh, waterfront property, and you have a uh, you've got the uh, there's a forest preserve up there somewhere, the Black River Wild area. Yeah, we have we have all state land. There's uh, there's no national parks in the state of New York. There's only the Adirondack Forest. So that's north of me, but the foothills of the Adirondack Park are are in my district and. They start in the town of Forceport, so it's a very beautiful area with rolling hills and beautiful streams and lakes. It's, it's, my district actually sprawls from Lake Ontario all the way to the Pennsylvania border where Binghamton is, so it's a big district. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that part of the world. I'm glad you're here, and I'm a little bit disturbed about this email you received. What What's the reaction that you first had when you opened up this email and someone made this horrible comment you know it, it it's 
it's unfortunate that this has actually been very typical of the kind of emails I've been getting mostly this year uh, between emails, uh, phone messages, uh, all kinds of terrible messaging coming uh, to me, you know, for voting for the American Health Care Act, uh, for voting for the middle class and, and the people in my district who desperately need relief and need affordable health care. Uh, this is the dialogue that has been coming through is just it's just abhorrent. And it seems that uh, the resist movement, the indivisible movement, which uh, the Democrats are cleaving to, uh, has they're trying to normalize this kind of conversation, which is really unacceptable. And it's borderline violent. I mean, and, and if you can see it playing out in all kinds of venues, whether it's Kathy Griffin or the Shakespearean play, depicting, uh, you know, the killing of our president. So I think we've gone beyond just free speech and robust debate. It's gone to another realm, and I, it's just very disappointing. But um, one of the things that you may or may not know is I also have a son who is a U.S. Naval Academy graduate who's serving right now in the Middle East as a Marine. And I put out a nice Memorial Day message uh, this year, and I got a response that said, I hope your son comes home bagged uh, from someone who is on the resistance side. So this oh is, I've gotten God. some really disgusting messages uh, for the, you know, throughout the year. And so this is actually, as horrible as it is, it's, it's not atypical. So we have a young man who is probably among the best of us because he's He's a graduate of our military academy, serving with the Marines, so we know he's among the toughest among us, serving voluntarily to preserve our freedom. And you have a congressperson who is, makes a choice to try and get through the gauntlet of our elections, and the people who oppose you are basically threatening you and your son. My God, I... I I don't know where we're headed, Congresswoman. I'm, I'm just, I hope this audience says, says prayers for you and the rest of the nation. This is just shocking. I, I appreciate that. And I also think that uh, this kind of conversation, I think it's something that I think we all need to take the leading role on it. But as someone who is run as uh, not the establishment Republican, in fact, which your audience may be surprised to know, I've never been endorsed by my local Republican committee. I've always run as an independent, uh, even though I'm registered Republican. I've always had a primary. I've always been challenged by the status quo. And I've been put in place by like-minded uh, people from all parties who have put me in place because I'm a truth teller and I'm someone who is out there trying to fight the fight. Uh, long before uh, even the president came around, I've been standing up on, on some, some populist issues, though I consider myself to be a conservative, and just common sense issues. I got elected to the New York State Assembly three times and now to Congress and still never being endorsed by my local county committee. And so well, those are some of the things that people, I'm not this uh, monolithic establishment Republican that they're just running, uh, you know, running terrible threats against. I'm someone who's really stood up for the people. Um, I'm a business owner. I used to... Uh, run our family business. I'm, a, I'm an attorney. Uh, I, I, I could, there's lots of things I could do. So I'm just saying one of these things where this, go ahead. Claudia, I'm up against a brick yeah. wall. Will you come right. back another day? Can we, I'll, I'll call Hannah Absolutely. and arrange it. I, I'm fascinated by your story. I want to make sure we keep telling this story because this is, you're right. This is the future 
of politics. This is reaching across the aisle and doing it without the endorsement. It's it's perfect. I, I hope you'll come. Yeah, back. thank you. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. This representative Claudia Tenney from New York, who received these threatening emails, will be right back after this. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Before we get out of here, let me remind you, is there pain in your life? Do what I did. Get a hold of Relief Factor right now. It's the all-natural anti-inflammatory helping thousands of us. Many of you in the Blaze audience, people everywhere are finding out what I found out. Just over 14 weeks ago, pain comes from irritation, inflammation. And in my case, in my knees and hips and back, it was from years of distance running. And in my late 50s, there was pain. I thought I was going to need knee replacement. No, I tried Relief Factor. I got the three-week quick start pack for $19.95. Day eight, I put down that bottle of those green gel caps that's meant to take away the pain, the -the over-the-counter stuff. I'm not taking prescriptions. I'm not taking anything. The only thing I take every day at breakfast, lunch, and dinner is all-natural anti-inflammatory relief factor. Go there, relieffactor.com. Get the information. Or just pick up the phone and call them. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. I know we're almost out of here today. I did not get to... I did not get to the really dumb news. I swear to you, I'm going to say this one is too good and no one's going to have it. So we'll get to it tomorrow. And I hope to have Congresswoman Tenney on tomorrow early in the show because I want to hear her story. I'm so furious that people would would smear her child who is over fighting for us as a Marine and then would threaten her as well. It's disgusting. It's been a very interesting day. I know. A very interesting day. Pray for our country. Pray for common sense. Pray for the first responders. And then do what the word means. Testudo, my friends. Come together. Testudo. This.